0: Hello, and welcome to Just for Kicks on Game Time CT, the last Just for Kicks of the boys and girls soccer season. We just finished up the state finals uh, in Hartford and in New Britain. There were some absolutely amazing games. Joe saw probably the best game that's been played in the last decade in Connecticut high school boys soccer. Um, I saw two great finishes uh, in the S boys and the double L boys uh two awesome stories with the coaches there uh we're going to talk about it all and we have a guest right the hand coach is coming on joe yeah yeah, greg cumstone is coming on uh to talk about uh well four in a row four in a row unbelievable and it's like it's just it was just one of the stories that happened that day that were so remarkable um so let's dive right into the double l uh boys first look i picked hall to, to win this thing and I want to say I picked three of hey, the here's four. Here's <laughs> a humble brag. Humble brag. Humble brag. on the back. I'm not being humble about this at all. I'm not being humble. I picked three of the four champions before the tournament started. Well, good job. Nailed it.
1: Boo. Why are you booing me?
0: That's incredible. Humble brag. Humble. I thought he. I thought he picked four. <laughs>
2: I wasn't. I couldn't remember the other one. I'm not being and, humble. And, and, just, and we and we got we got our chops broken for
0: not picking the other one. I'm just bragging. I'm not being humble. <laughs> I got three of the four. It's really difficult in boys soccer to pick these things. And a couple of these games could have gone any way. Hall is the one team I had the most confidence in. They absolutely rolled through the double L tournament. And although Greenwich hung with them really, really well, Greenwich had chances to take the lead early in the second half, uh, was putting pressure on Hall. Ultimately, Hall was just way too much for them. Uh, ended up winning 3-1, could have scored a couple more goals if it wasn't for Greenwich's amazing keeper, Patty Colligan, who just made six save after six save to kind of keep the game close. Uh, but Zeke Seguro, who made his first final last year after t- after 24 years, he's been coaching 25 years, finally wins the state championship. So I went to get the video of them. I saw the kids were going to dump the Gatorade bucket on mm-hmm. his head. I go to get it, and I realize that, that Zeke is crying like before, the yeah, as the final seconds are rolling off, he's starting to cry. They dump the water on his head. He can't contain himself. He's just looking for people to hug. The kids are patting him on the back, saying, "We did it, coach. We did it, coach." And you know, afterwards, Zeke said, "I I came here with a five year plan, and uh, it took twenty five years, but we, we finally won a state championship." Hall was so good. They moved the ball so right. well. They played such great defense, but the attack of Hall was absolutely relentless, just relentless. They don't stop coming at you. They have very fast forwards, great midfielders. They deserve to be the double L champions, uh, and they are the double L champions. And then on a team that's loaded with seniors and juniors, it's a sophomore, uh, Conlon Wilson, who ends up scoring three goals for them in that game, getting the hat trick. You know, he he was almost, it was like the situation was too big for him afterwards. Everyone's interviewing him and grabbing him and pulling him. <laughs> He he didn't, you know. I don't know if he fully grasped what had happened, but awesome for that kid, awesome for the Hall program. They had a huge crowd up at New Britain Hall, did uh, you know, a huge student section, a lot of fans. And just, I've never seen a coach just congratulated more by people from the stands afterwards, like hugging him and giving him a pound. And like, everyone was just so happy for Zeke. Zeke is one of the best guys that I've met, you know, doing this job. And, and I'm I'm happy for him too. So you know, great job by Hall there, uh, winning the Double L boys. It was awesome. Uh, you want to talk about Double L girls? Sure.
2: Seeing I was in Harford at Dillon Stadium, <laughs> and then the game was being played in New Brunswick. I'll talk all about that game. <laughs> no, but it, we uh, let's let's Are back. Are you up.
1: not reading GameTimeCT.com, Joe?
2: Oh, I'm reading it as we speak. Do <clears throat> no. you want to back up talking uh, about I, the Double L boys? No, I, I want to. Well. Um, do I want to talk about the Double L Boys? Let me see. No, I don't think we do. We need to, because we we saw, oh, I mean, I think you predicted it, obviously. They were on a roll. I mean, yeah. we had talked in the last show about them beating Cheshire and how hot they were, and and obviously you scored three goals in the final. I mean, most times you're going to win. Um, with the Double L Girls, let's back up to the semifinals. When we yeah. last spoke, last we are here last week, say that fast five times, um, I would never have guessed we would have an all-CCC final. I know it sounds crazy now looking at it, but uh, we had talked up, I, I'll say, I have talked up the FCAC all year long. They've dominated for the last few years. A- and you know? I-, I thought for sure, I-, I thought it would be Staples and St. Joe's. Yeah. And then I when Richfield beat St. Joe's, said, oh, Richfield will get it. I would never have guessed in a million years, even if you had told me, that Selenton and Glassman would win one nothing on the yeah. same night, basically at the same time. And that's very impressive performances. And as I put in the tweet, CCC2, FCAC, nothing. And, you know, kudos to them. I mean, the, for them to the shut out Stables and Richfield, I think that's a really good Unbelievable. job. yeah. And, and then Sullington and Glastonbury in a, in a Titanic final, and Sam Forrest scores for uh, Glastonbury off a pass from uh, Mackenzie Baker. Excuse like six, me. No, the like other way around. Oh, actually, left. no. I'm reading it now. It's Forrest to Baker back to Forrest. So. Yeah. In uh, a story, we have we covered all the games. Obviously, boys, girls, soccer, swimming, and, and field hockey. If you haven't noticed uh, by now, but um, and Glastonbury, ends up number one in the final poll, obviously unanimous. I mean, Sullington had a great year; they did, and, and I think it was le- legit the final poll, the way it worked out. Sullington, uh, it was I think it was Sullington, Glastonbury, the Richfield or Richfield and Staples were tied. And then Guilford, the L champion, was fifth. I think that was legit. I mean, I think you can make an argument for St. Joe's. But regardless, I mean, those are the two best teams. Suns had a great year. Glastonbury wins another state championship, uh, one nothing. But, I mean, again, as we've said about other teams, very little separating those two teams. And Suns has a bunch of juniors. Um, Glastonbury has several juniors, so they're both going to be back next year. They lose Chloe Landers, who's going to be off to UConn. Um, but... Again, so it was it was a great year by the Blue Knights of Southington, and I keep saying it because I don't think people expected it, other than maybe them and maybe a couple other teams, but they proved themselves worthy. And I'm sure I don't know what the atmosphere was like out uh, uh,
0: there, but I, I will say the atmosphere for that Double L girls game was amazing. It was the biggest crowd I've ever seen for a girls game. Well, okay, Southington's right there, and Glastonbury travels really well for soccer, yeah. so. They both had massive student sections. It was easily the most crowded game of the night uh the whole day up in up in New Britain. Okay. In terms of fans. Um, it blew away the boys It Blew o. away the boys because Greenwich brought like twenty kids and like they don't travel well. Did the Glastonbury boys look like they'd come to support? Did they Oh, the, oh the, the Glastonbury boys soccer team was there? I mean it looked like most of the students at Glastonbury were there. I mean, they filled up a whole section of... So it was a wild atmosphere. Like oh, said, it was you know, great, great atmosphere. Oh, well, that's as, great, as it should be. Yes, Pete.
1: They were filling it up at, like, the halftime of the game before. Yeah, the, like, yeah, you yeah. turned around, and, and it, it was, was Holy Cross and... Um, <laughs> Old, Saybrook. Old Saybrook. Old Saybrook. And, like, it was kind of scarce. And then all of a sudden, you just saw these dark... Like, everybody was wearing a dark-colored shirt. Yeah, the I was looking at Scott. No, I was like... That's not either of these schools And Scott's Scottsdale. Oh, it's Glastonbury. They travel excellent. <laughs> no, they were there with the
0: flag. Yeah, at halftime of the S Boys, because yeah. you guys were beh- you were starting to fall behind. Yeah, everything fell behind. Yeah. And
2: and they were there. Yeah, yeah. For yeah. An,
0: what an hour and a half, two hours before the game before kickoff. They were there at least an hour. The Glastonbury kids were and then the southern right. team kids filled in pretty quickly
1: and they were getting into like the end of the game once it got to overtime oh, yeah, like they were cheering old on saber on yeah. and holy cross were trading shots like they were going nuts
0: cuz I'm sure it was great theater that
2: game and just to lead into
0: it, it was and uh, i will say that i was writing during uh, the first half of the girls game i watched most of the second half right excellently played like i kept thinking it was just this is going to overtime like i i can't see anyone breaking through and then you know they finally did break through and scored the goal with i think it was like 5 or 6 minutes left in the game um but yeah, I mean, and the place was just bouncing at that point, and then they all stayed. You know, the Glastonbury people all stayed afterwards, and we're just having the best time. And you know, it's such a it, it, it's a great soccer town, probably the best soccer town. And the the fact that they bring so many fans to these games, I, I absolutely love that school in terms of soccer. Love it. Well, I have to maybe I won't disagree with you. But maybe the people
2: on the shoreline may disagree about the great soccer towns because we had two great soccer towns in action oh, sure in Dillon Stadium, I—I <laughs> I, I mean, three shoreline town, three shoreline towns won titles. Two others were in finals. Yes,
0: um, yeah. and Old saybrook had a very good crowd. they're, no, just, they're I, a smaller I, school. So Glastonbury just by nature has more kids. No, no, to bring. I know. So I, I, Old Saber had a very good crowd, and and Holy Cross had a pretty good I, I'm crowd. I'm not trying to debate
2: you. I'm yeah. I'm just saying I think people debate might argue with you, with you, yeah, because of what the theater was. Now, obviously, I still think Glastonbury was able to catch up, and, and got as far as because you guys were behind schedule at as we mentioned because of the Old Saber game. Yeah, and the uh, double boys uh, started I think, 40 minutes late. Okay, so yeah. and my then you guys caught up because I was in the middle of as we talked in the open. you said in the very. Few, first few words of this this podcast. You were in, in an epic. Yeah, and, and again, it was one to one. Nobody scores in the first half. Hand in Wilton. Yeah. Okay. Hand scores Scott Testori on a header. Yeah. I mean, I'm writing my lead right because you know us. We, we write our leads because we, you know, you know, and, you got another game to write about after Especially so in he, soccer. Yeah. Right. And Testori had now again Scott Testori, the junior who had scored the only goal in last year's final against Maloney on a header off a corner. So it was a similar. Play, but it was a long, I said there was a through a long through ball. I had the video of it from up yeah. in the press mess It wasn't the greatest, but he gets it. But he at six four, or whatever how tall he is, he's able to get a head on it. And boom! That so was amazing, amazing un- goal. It was. It was I mean, goal. if you look at the video, I mean, it's just incredible. <laughs> it's incredible. So he's one nothing, and then Wilton ties it. Yeah. Okay, so now we're going in overtime. It's one one. Five goals were scored in thirty minutes of overtime. That and is I'd, so incredible. It, it, and, and I mean, Hand scores first, and then Wilton answers. And then I think to story score i I I, mean, I forget the order. he scored on another shot, yeah, Wilton answers, so it's three, three now, yeah, and then the last goal I mean it's an incredible theater, so we're already now in the second overtime period and and, and Wilton ties it up, yeah. to go three three and then on on the, the game winning goal deciding goal, ball comes across Testori story chases it down, fl- sends a pass in on the ground to to Jack to Green, Jack Green yeah and, and who scored again it was in front but still you have got to make the goal i mean uh, we've seen plenty of people miss goals over the course of time especially with that much on the line of course so they score and then they have to hold off wilton and they do those wilton kids and, must have been devastated and devastating. Then you yeah because it, it's so you've come so close to ending not only winning a championship, but ending the four P. I mean, there's so <laughs> much emotion on the line. I mean, I think the, the both sides were just
0: exasperated. I mean, I think, and those uh, Wilton kids came from two losing seasons to right. make this run to the yeah. championship too. Right. And then, you know, we've talked about these overtime periods and how sometimes we like to see a golden goal or this or that. In this case, the overtime format that they had worked amazingly and gave you. Just unbelievable theater, didn't it?
2: Well, I would say easily the most, the best overtime game I've ever seen. Easily, probably one of the top three or four games I've ever seen in soccer. Yeah, I I mean, it's been so long. I've seen so many great games over the years. I, 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 they kind of run together, but that for what was on the line, you could argue is the best. Because again, with the the history of the four P and trying to win four in a row, and these kids being able to do it, and Wilton just matching them. I mean, answering three straight times. I mean, come on. Maybe a lot of teams would just pack away and say, "Okay, we got to overtime. We're done." And and Wilton was manned manned up and it was there. And and that's I think what what made it even better. Had it been like two to one or three to one, like your game was, yeah. nothing against what, Old Sabre or Holy Cross, but that's what made it even better. Yeah. So and, and congratulations. We're going to have Greg Comstone on uh, the hand coach, and, and he can tell heck of a lot better than, than I can. But um,
0: but we were following that game in the press we box guys were, in New we're, Britain, and we, I'm like, they scored again. Wilton scored. We they guys, scored. <laughs> I
2: mean, like, <laughs> I well, you were say, you tweeted at me. You said went. I, 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 I had said it went bananas in a video, but the problem is the video didn't come over, so I couldn't. Use, I was like, yeah, yeah I was yeah.
1: at uh, East Haven volleyball. I was catching. Oh, the that's right. He, I, he was gone I, by I, that point. I, I spent the first two games with Scott. Right. And uh, I was like sitting down on the court, and I'm just like sitting on Twitter. And I'm like, what is going on at Dylan <laughs> Stadium? Like it was chaos. It was either Joe was tweeting it or McFarlane was tweeting it or someone was tweeting Sean every McFarlane time from I looked yeah, every time I looked, there was another tweet from that game of a goal. Or was, Dave Rudin. Yeah, like there was like everybody yeah. was it was just chaos. The fact that they I mean, I thought the old line la- uh, the old line. Old Saybrook. Yeah, the yeah. old Saybrook game was crazy when they scored two goals in overtime. I was like, yeah. wow, that was wild. And then you guys went and scored Trumped what was it. Trumped Trumped it four, it. Yeah. four or five goals in the in the in the overtime? Five goals, five, and over- 5 goals in overtime 5 yeah. goals it's it a record one that's, one, a, yeah. that's
2: a that's a record we, got, we had two records to, we're going to talk about the other record later but 5, five. goals in 30 minutes of play that's incredible soccer should always be like that and <laughs> listen we talk about <laughs> your predictions you, you get lucky sometimes and i and i try to you try when you do video enough times you, you try to position yourself and you hope you can get the best yeah. and i happen to be right there with Testori and they put up the four and, and he's hugging his coach and the emotion and i'm glad that people were able to w- enjoy it because I was enjoying shooting it. Yeah. and she tried not to get him, Bobby, trying to get him. And she like, oh, can I get this? Do I get that? Where do I go? Do I shoot the scoreboard? I mean, you know, not everything works out because as I found out in the Guilford game, they ran away from me. I was in the wrong spot. <laughs> I had the coaches, but the, 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 the celebration was in They had a nice view of me looking down on my shoe i think in the middle of this video which i didn't should have sh- well that happened to me cut out but i didn't do it but again you're just gonna just get lucky and that kind of adds to the whole thing
0: well i said to pete in the class ass girls game i was down just doing video for that game i wasn't covering it and i said all right there the-. pete's like the goalie's there and i was like all right i'm on the right side they're all gonna run to the goalie and sure enough they all run the opposite yeah, you just direction can,
2: you, get, you gotta get lucky <laughs> that's, so that's part of it i'm just
1: so happy that joe is sitting here talking about how he enjoyed doing video my heart grew like three sizes
2: I didn't I said you had to try years of experience of doing it to be in the right place at the right time yeah Scott so and I, you have to get lucky Scott we, and
1: I were over two over two
2: yeah oh. I, I made up for
0: it in the double L boys with
2: we my cigar over video. we
1: were like yeah let's go find the goalie we'll go over here and then they just ran the other way twice
0: yeah
2: we'll we'll talk we're gonna we're going to take a break, and we're going to talk about the Guilt for Girls plus M&S after the break. Coming up, we're going to have uh, hand boy soccer coach Greg Comstone. <laughs> Welcome back to the Just for Kicks podcast. Scott Erickson and, my, and Joe Morelli here with our guest, the coach of the four-time Class L State champion, hand of Madison boys soccer team, Greg Comstone. How does that sound, Greg
3: uh, sounds pretty good. <laughs> thanks. Thanks for having me. It's, my, it's a pleasure to be on with you guys. Uh,
2: as we were talking about in the last segment, Scott and I, um, I mean, it's one of the best games I've ever been at. Easily the best overtime game I've been at. I, can you step back and appreciate now, days later, what it was like? Now you're not coaching the game and worried about trying to, <laughs> trying to find a way to win and, and win that title.
3: Yeah, I, I, um, I had the chance to, to watch the game over uh, this weekend. And, uh, you know, you're right. It was, a, it was a really good game. There was a lot of quality on the field. I thought both teams played with a good spirit. Um, you know, there was a lot of possession, a lot of passing. Both teams trying to build from the back and create chances. Um, there were a whole lot of chances during the game. Um, and like you said, the, the overtime was kind of a, a polar opposite of how the rest of the game went. I thought the rest of the game was like a, a really cagey game. Um, you could tell that both teams at least in the beginning were were more playing not to lose rather than to go out and and win and then as the game kind of wore on maybe minds got a little bit tired and legs got a little bit heavy it opened up and um and that's where we started to see that that flurry of goals there in in overtime do you remember i just because
2: i happened to the video i happened to be right in front of you and scott when you celebrated i'm just do you remember that moment or is it kind of a blur that when you hugged them and hugged the kids and what that feeling was like uh, versus the one from last year, maybe?
3: Yeah, I, I remember, I remember the celebration at the end. Yeah. When Scott came running over to me, um, it's kind of interesting because, you know, Scott and, and a few of the other players on the team I've had since they were like 11 years old, um, you know, just training them um, with the, the premier team that I coach. And so, you know, Scott and I, we, we talk a lot about tactics and about the opponent and, um, Scott and I have worked, you know, one-on-one with visualization and and his finishing and stuff like that. So it was kind of like a, it was a nice culmination of, of a lot of work. Um, you know, not just this season, but through the past seven or eight years together. Um, and I, it you know it's, it's always nice you know I, I have a, a, a good bond with him I've got a good bond with you know all the players on the team. So it was a nice display of emotion um, I remember last one the, the last uh, celebration too against Maloney was similar um, you know going in with the players and, and really enjoying the celebration but I think this this uh, championship I was able to enjoy it a little bit more because um, my first year it was kind of like we were it was our first year there and maybe we really didn't realize how difficult it is to actually win a state championship. Um and this year, you know, I think we had a little bit more of a roller coaster type season. Um and so it was it meant a lot to actually go out there and, and win it for the fourth straight time for the program and my second straight time.
0: Just just as
2: a what well, basically to expound upon what Greg is saying, the hand coach Greg Comstone joining us, he's the third coach uh to win a title the first one stan lakowski won the first one uh anthony mancini was the se- was the second year of this for p and greg the last two years scott
0: yeah coach i wanted to ask you you guys both play possession soccer when you go into overtime are you talking about being more aggressive at all like what did you say to the boys when you were heading into the overtime period
3: uh, well we, we definitely didn't want to tie and become co-champions um, sorry <laughs> we, we also didn't want to, <laughs> yep. to lose we didn't want to lose the game so it was kind of uh we talked about you know playing a little bit higher up the field mm-hmm. um, and pressing them a little bit more trying to hope hope that they would make a mistake but the the danger with wilton is you have to be compact when you play against them because they're so good in open spaces I mean we, we watched several of their games uh, going into it and we knew that if we were open, they had the ability and the pace um, to, to cut us up to, to pieces, so uh, we knew that we had to be compact, so then you know it, it gets dicey, because if you're compact, and you decide to go and press high, then that means your midfield has to be high, your, your defenders have to be high, and that leaves a lot of space behind you, and they have Zizidoro, they have Bennett up front, who are guys with you know incredible pace in addition to their quality, so it was a little bit of a gamble, um, you know, to play a little bit higher and to try to force them into mistakes, but it was a gamble that we felt was necessary, you know, in the, in the last 30 minutes of this contest, you know, where we didn't want to, to certainly, you know, go, go to co-champs, and we felt we needed to get one goal, and as it turned out, we needed uh, we needed three goals in, in overtime to, to seal the deal. What would it, do
2: you think it would have been like if it was a co-championship as the fourth? What, I mean, what do you think the feeling would have been like for those kids? Versus what it was. Uh,
3: I, I, I'm not sure. I mean, it, it's probably better to be a coach and, than, to, than to not win the title. But I just think it, it would have left a little bit of a, a bad taste in both teams. It, it would have been a, a bit of a hollow feeling, I think. I mean, um, I think the spirit of the game, it just in, – in, in knockout soccer and, you know, in, in a tournament, it's nice to have one winner. Um it just just going into it I, I think the the boys from both sides i mean when the the referees talked to us at the coin toss about co-champions the, the wilton kids were like kind of like surprised they're like what, what's going on with that so um <laughs> yeah so I, I think both groups definitely didn't want to to finish that way um so yeah it was a it was a, a little bit more risky we played in the in the overtime fortunately it paid off i
0: i've seen wilton a few times i mean they don't move their back line up very very much. They kind of just rely on their forwards. I don't know if you saw that, too, coming into the game. Did they switch that up in the overtime period? Were they a little more open, too, and pressing forward a little bit more?
3: Yeah, I, I think what, what we noticed is that um, we noticed, like, like you just got, that um, they do – the fullbacks sometimes will venture for, but they, they do play uh, a, a little bit of a deeper line. They, they rely on the, the front line, but also the quality of the midfield to create chances for them. Uh, but what we found was every time we, we got a lead, which we got a lead four times in the game, um, they they did press a little bit higher. They had to um, yeah. because they needed to get a result. So um, that, that obviously made things a little bit more difficult for us. Um, and I think that that kind of added to the spectacle because it was, in addition to being a, a real good technical battle and a battle between two quality teams, it was also a big tactical battle where, you know, the teams were making decisions during the game to t- change slightly, you know, the way that they were playing, the way they were attacking, the way they were defending. I think that that probably made it an even better spectacle than, you know, than, than it could have been.
0: Yeah, I mean, your, your two styles seem to match up well. Like, neither of you are just kicking and chasing out there, right? I mean, you're, you're both playing possession soccer and, and trying to find the angles.
3: Yeah, we, we tried to, and I think they did a great job doing it as well. Um, I think towards the end of the game, maybe the, like the last 15 minutes of, of the um, regulation and into overtime, it did get a little bit more ragged. Yeah. Um, and I think it might have been a little bit physically. You know, physically, I think both teams only used two subs during the game. Um, so physically, I think it was starting to weigh on the kids. But also, I think in that situation mentally, um, you know, it's – it's risky to to play out of the back. Um, both teams were doing it for the good portion of the game, and I think as the game wore on and it got to the the really you know fine points of the game, um, some of the players maybe felt like I don't want to be the guy who makes a bad pass out of the back and leads to a goal, so it got a little bit more uh, a little bit more direct. It was still I thought the quality was still very good, but um, it was a little bit different from the first 60 minutes of the game where I thought it was very good a lot of passing out of the back, a lot of good possession, as you said. Um, but you know that's that's only natural these are kids and uh you know it's in these pressure packed moments it's hard to, to continue to take risk um in in the defensive third
0: where do you see the breakdown when you get into late into overtime is is it more physical and kids being tired or is it mental things like that that you worry about more with the kids where where a breakdown might happen
3: uh i i think it's a me- it's it's mental because um it i mean at that point you know, when you're in the final, kids are going to be physically tired anyway. It's a long, draining season. You know, you're coming off the back of, you know, we had four state tournament games and in, in two weeks they had five. So uh, that, that's a difficult thing. Um, but in, in those stages, you're, you're relying on your adrenaline. Um, and I think it's the, it's the mental side of things where it starts to break down. You know, the, the fear of making the mistake that, that could lose it. Um, and then you get a little bit of mental fatigue going into overtime with the extra 30 minutes. Um, And, you know, you could see in in the goals that we conceded, certainly um, in in extra time, we're off two you know, individual errors and um, and and the goals that we scored were, you know, set piece goals that, you know, maybe they could have done a better job marking and preventing the, you know, the service or the second balls that we won. So it it did come down to, you know, really fine margins, but, you know, mental mental errors and some moments of brilliance. Hey,
2: Soccer coach Greg Comstone joining us on the Just for Kicks podcast coming off a four pete the Tigers, uh setting some history uh in the Class L division. I'm gonna imagine even as a player, Scott, you've uh, Greg, excuse me, that you've never been a part of a game like that, correct?
3: Yeah, no, I don't think so. certainly not one that meant so much. Uh I've been, you know, coaching and, and playing for a long time. We've I've i played in and coached in some pretty crazy games, but no game like that that was for, a, a, you know, a major trophy, a major, you know, the, the final of a major competition that, that ended like that. Um, so, yeah, that was – it was pretty special looking back to be able to say that, you know, you know I was a part of that. It was it was pretty special.
2: I've had the good fortune of seeing Scott Testori play for three years. For those who have never seen him play, can you describe what that kid is all about?
3: What's funny is that – I see Scott, you know, on a daily basis, so I know his capabilities, and um, I actually, you know, I think he was a little bit below where he where he um, has been at other times of season. Now, he had that injury against Shelton, um, you know, four or five games ago, and he hasn't recovered from it, really. You know, he took a, a major risk playing him against Guilford in the in the conference final 48 hours well, after the injury. Let me he interrupt. 60 it, minutes. it was in the what SEC
2: tournament. He was in the SEC tournament and he heard his twinge his back. What was he? Twinged? What did he twinge? His elbow? I forget what it was. In the,
3: what was uh, hip flexor.
2: It was a hip flexor. Explain to people what, how hard. I mean, you had to make a decision to bring him in for corner kick In the uh, SEC final And then you kept him in Just talk about that And again how you said He's not fully recovered I'm sorry to interrupt But I wanted The people out there To understand The time and place Of where it happened So go ahead
3: Yeah so um, So we knew he was Touched go Going into the game He he definitely wasn't Going to be 100% um, And it was a question of Do we play him at all um, And risk you know A a bigger injury That could rule him Out of the state tournament Or um, Do we kind of just Do we just kind of like you know, rest him and, 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 make sure he's fine for that. So um, it was a game time decision and we ended up deciding if we got a set piece, we put him in, we put him in. And then he kind of gave me the signal that he wanted to stay in. And he stayed in and played the rest of the game, 60 minutes. Um, and, you know, he, he, after the game, he was in pain. He didn't train. And then we played Rockville in the first round of the state tournament. And uh, we were fortunately able to, to take him off after 30 minutes. And again, he was in pain. Uh, so he didn't train and you know it, it was tough for him to recover for these games because he wasn't training so he wasn't getting that rhythm of the training and he, he wasn't able to move in the same way that he had he wasn't as free with his movements and it, it wore i mean i think it weighed on him a little bit but if if anything that should show everyone how good this player is because even at maybe 70% of his best he scored two decisive goals and got an assist in the final um he was you know instrumental against Guilford. scored one of the penalty kicks and it's not just what he brings to us you know with his technique and his skill and his um you know all the the soccer qualities it's also the human qualities he brings he's a leader He, he gives us spirit he gives us confidence um so you know to have a player like that that's willing to play through the pain barrier to possibly risk um a worse injury by playing is just a testament to the to the type of player he is and for anyone who saw scott during the state tournament you've got to imagine that he, you know he was pro- pro- probably playing at about 30 percent below his normal level which is you know another pretty telling um you know indication of, of his quality
2: and, and part of that quality uh in three state finals he has four goals I think people just be happy just to get to a state final and play in one. He's got four goals in three state finals. That says a lot, Greg. I mean, it's really incredible when the best rise up. The cream rises to the top, as the cliche goes. But the kid really plays in money situations.
3: He is, yeah. He's a, he's a big game player. Um, you know, I was listening to the, some of the commentary in the game uh, over the weekend when I watched it back. And, uh, you know, the, the people that were commentating were saying that he's a big-game player, and it's true. He he rises to the occasion. I think he feeds off of it. Um, he enjoys that. Um, but I think if you look at the game, we had a lot of big-game players out there. Jack Green, Paul right. and Spencer Hartman, who are three captains, three seniors, playing right. their last game. I thought they had their best games of the season in that final and in the build-up to the final. I thought Jack Wilderman, um, who's our defensive midfielder, was the best player on the pitch. Um, He was fantastic in everything he did. Um, And right the way through, Lucas Vest coming off a concussion, first game back, he had a fantastic game. Chris Ford scored a goal, um, played in midfield, which was the first game he played in midfield all season. Um, And Jason Wallach I thought was, was excellent as well. It was a little bit unfortunate. Not to get a goal um, or a penalty called his way.
2: And you got Testori, Walk, among others coming back next year, which is which is I'm sure pleasing. Yeah, yeah, to...
3: we've got a good group coming back. Um, we graduate um, eight seniors, eight um, you know tremendously valuable members of the team, players who have never lost the state tournament. Um, but we've got we've got a good group coming back, so we're going to miss the the eight guys that leave. But um, we feel um, we feel like we can still compete next year with the guys we have coming
0: back so you're gonna have these guys coming back everyone knew you were going for four championships we've been talking about it since september how did you get the guys to focus and how much of it was you and how much of it was like the seniors and the leadership to focus on a game-by-game situation instead of looking forward to like hey we can be four-time champs like it's a long season and a a long tournament isn't it
3: yeah certainly i think um you know the seniors they have a they have the experience, and, and, and the juniors, they have experience knowing what it's like to defend. Um, but I think a lot of it is just in the cut and thrust of the season. The, the the conference we play in is so competitive that you really can't take your eye off the ball and look ahead because if you do, you know, you'll drop points, you'll lose games. And there was a spell in the season. I remember talking to Joe after the Gifford game when we drove 0-0 where we had, we had gone, like, winless in three games, and then we ended up yep. straight into a win against Brantford and then drawing to, to North Haven. And there was a time where just making the conference tournament was going to be, you know, kind of dicey. And uh, we managed to turn it around, and we went from, you know, being, you know, potentially missing out on the conference tournament to, to winning the league and being the number one seed. So... Um, you know it's a testament to the to the kids and and their ability to bounce back from difficult moments but it's also it shows you that you really can't think of the four Pete or winning a state tournament until you're actually in the final cuz there's there's huge games every single week every single day that you have to prepare for and if you're not 100% sharp i mean i hear you guys talk about it all the time on the podcast how evenly matched teams are and how you know, how the fine margins, you know, really are the things that dictate the game. And you don't have to be the best team on the day to win the game. Um, so if you, if you take your eye off the ball for a, for a little bit, you know, it's, that, it's to your own detriment. So try to avoid that. And
0: you had gone through overtime and PKs in the semifinals. How draining was that game before you even got to the championship game going against Guilford for the, what was it, fourth time?
2: Uh, the fourth time? The fourth time. I have to imagine, Greg, that having the extra day of rest on a Monday really helped. Having four days off, yes? At least somewhat,
3: anyway. Yeah, it definitely did. I think, was last year the, the semis on a Tuesday or was it a Wednesday? I think, wait, you you guys beat who? Oh, Weathersfield.
2: That was on a, um, I want to say that was a, definitely a Tuesday or a Wednesday. I, the I finals can't were
0: pushed back to Sunday, though, were they? Yeah. Yeah, it was, yeah. right, and the finals yeah. were pushed back to Sunday, so you had almost the same
2: amount of rest, almost,
3: but anyway. But that game
0: right. has to be physically and emotionally draining, too, that semifinal game for you guys, wasn't it?
3: Yeah, absolutely. It it, it definitely was. And uh, we knew going in how how strong Guilford are. We knew that um, it was going to be difficult. Um, And it was kind of funny because we looked at the Guilford and the Wilton games as like almost polar opposites where we see Guilford's strength is how tight they are at the back and they don't give many goals up. And, um, you know, that game was about breaking uh, a really good defensive unit down. For, For me, the best defensive unit that we faced all year. Um, whereas the Wilton game was more about neutralizing their attack and, and, and trying to deny them from, from getting goals and, and, and getting our own. So, um, it was draining. Um, it's always draining against Guilford because of their rival. Um, and the fact that it went, you know, to extra time and then into, to penalty case is always difficult. Um. But I also think that from winning that game, it gave us huge impetus, huge momentum, uh, because Guilford had been kind of the team throughout the year that had given us the most trouble. We had never beaten them up until that game. I guess you could say we still didn't beat them. We we drew and then beat them in penalties. But getting through that game um, against such a difficult opponent was, you know, it, it spurred us on and it gave us kind of renewed energy. Um, even if it wasn't physically physical energy, it was that, that mental strength to go on and and get the job done in, in the final game.
0: Now I understand that you guys, your players all get like detailed uh, game plans going into games. How important is advanced scouting for you guys when you're going into these tournament games against teams you haven't seen before?
3: Well, I, I don't, I don't know if the, if the players, if it really makes a difference or not, I hope it does. Um, <laughs> but as, as a coaching staff, we feel like when we get into these big games, we have to give everything. Cause you know, we know the players are giving everything and, you know, I would I would feel remiss if I went into a game and I didn't do my due diligence and scouted the opponent, um, and then we ended up losing points uh, or, or losing the game. Um, so yeah, we we do um, scout pretty extensively. We throughout the year we try to see all the teams, all the the big teams that we feel like we're to meet, uh, whether it's in the conference tournament or the state tournament. So we had seen Bristol Eastern. Uh, my assistant went and saw them. He gave me. I think he gave me, like, an eight-page report on them. <laughs> um, we, had, we had seen uh, Wethersfield. Um, my other assistant and I went and watched them play Rocky Hill. We had seen – I, by chance, went and saw Wilton early in the season in October play Bridgeport Central. Um, and then, obviously, before the final, we, we watched uh, Wilton versus Lutlow. We watched them versus Ward. We watched them versus Barlow. And we watched them versus Wethersfield on, on the video. Mm-hmm. So we spent hours looking at them and trying to identify what were their strengths, what were their weaknesses. We looked at what are their main passing patterns and combinations. We knew that there was a big triangulation of, of passing between Lillis and Utterdyke and McLaughlin, three midfielders for Wilton. Um, we knew that um, the right back uh, played a lot of long diagonal balls towards Isidoro. We knew that they attacked they favored attacking on their on their right side through Bennett. So we tried to, you know, when we set the team up, we tried to set the team up in a way that negated those um, those qualities of Wilton. We tried to play that that little bit deeper line to try to stop the penetration from McLaughlin and, and Utterdike and Lillis, who we felt were the, the real strength of the Wilton team, even though everyone focuses on the attackers. Yeah. Um like a great the, player. He is, he is, and and we felt like if we could cut off the supply to the attackers, we'd have more um we'd have more of a reward than trying to just be reactive and once the attackers get the ball, try to defend them. So yeah, we we spent a lot of time um, analyzing. I I do know that there are some players who don't like uh, a ton of information, so we kind of doctor the reports towards certain players some players we give like a maybe a four page packet to some players we give like an eight page packet to there are a couple players that we gave like you know 12 and 16 page packets to about you know different things and it, it's all kind of like what the players need you know i know i've got a couple of players that are like oh geez coach is talking about tactics again <laughs> they just want to go out and play so you kind of have to read the psychology of your team and, and and make a decision from there
2: um, I know you got to get going, but we, I wanted to ask you one more question uh, before you go. Hand coach Greg Comstone joining us. We're going to start with the five P talk, can you want to you could either want do one or two things, three things here, three doors. You could predict the five P. You could say you're going to petition to go up the double L, or you could say no comment. Which door would you like to prefer? <laughs>
3: Well, uh, what I would say is that wherever we're going to be next year, we're we we feel like we're Daniel Hand, so we're obligated to to go for for a state championship. Um, you know, it's it's in our DNA at this point, and uh, we can't shy away from, from, from it. Um, but we also need to be realistic and, and understand it's 12 months away, and um, there's a lot that can happen between now and then. And we we do have to take it one game at a time. But I would never. Go into a season and say, you know, we don't have a chance to do it because I think we're Daniel Han and we we always have a chance to do it. So um, we definitely, you know, we feel the expectation, um, and I think that we're strong enough to to deal with the expectation and to understand that whether we're L, whether we're double L, whether we're you know quadruple L, um, we're gonna try to we're gonna try to win um, win as many games as we can. Uh, I do do think there's there's room for improvement. I mean, this year we did not win the conference tournament. Um, We won the league, you know, that we won the number one seed and then the state tournament the year before we just won the state tournament. So hopefully next year we can we can do even better and, and, and get more silverware because I think that's kind of the mentality we need to have as a program. The
2: beat goes on in Madison. The four-time Class L State champions, Greg Comstone, thank you for joining us on Just for Kicks. Enjoy your offseason. Enjoy your holiday, and thank you very much.
3: Thanks, Coach. Thank you, guys. Thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure.
0: We are back on Just for Kicks. Uh, that, that was, like, one of my favorite interviews of the year uh, with, with, uh, with the hand coach there. I, I mean, he doesn't... Listen, I've dealt with him for two years, and he doesn't. He
2: has an answer for everything. He's very in tune with what's going on. He understands, and he, I mean, it's what is he? He's thirty, and he's got. He's never lost in a state championship game. None of those kids have. It's just he, you have to be able. There are certain people you have to be able to handle the moment. Yeah, and, and he seems to be able to handle the moment. He relates to the kids. Maybe it's because he's younger. I mean, we, remember I as we, as we as sure we discussed. Yeah. I mean, listen, they've had three different coaches. All right. Yeah. Stan Lakowski, who i known a long time, I mean, he obviously was a very good, and for a lot of years, they didn't win. I mean, just th- this, this, think about this. Coming into 2016, I'm writing a story now. They lost in the semifinals three of the last four years, and they hadn't been to a state final since in 19 years. And now here we are, four years later, and they're winning state championships. It's, Incredible, but getting back to Greg, he does a fabulous job. And there's a lot of pressure to win. Believe me, those teams want to beat the heck out of him and knock hand off. It'd be like a feather in their cap for the rest of their lives, and nobody's been able to do it for four years. And that is saying something.
0: The level of preparedness that they had for that game, like when I asked him about that scouting report for Wilton, I mean, he could. I think mean, I feel like he could have broken down. All the all 11 kids on the field and then a bunch of the kids on the bench, too. Like, what they do, what they want to do. Like, that is amazing preparation.
2: And for those kids on both sides to have to have played under that pressure and scored that many goals, I don't think people really appreciate or really understand. Unless you've played, and I haven't. Unless you've played, you don't really understand what it takes to be able to perform... This is what you can do. I can do better. I can do anything better than you. No, you can't. Yes, I can. But that's what it was like. That's was. exactly what it was like. I don't know what it was like from the outside looking in, but that's how it felt in that game, in that atmosphere, in that stadium on Saturday.
0: No, I mean, it just its crazy to score that many goals in 30 minutes. And again, kids start to break down. And this is one of the reasons why we say that you can't just keep playing. Because like, kids are breaking down mentally, breaking down physically. I think that's why you see a little more goals. But these yes. two teams are very possession-based soccer. So like, One one that made sense to me, but all of a sudden you have five goals explosion in thirty minutes. That is crazy for those two teams, and they're both very capable of doing that. But against each other, I I, I was surprised. So, I mean, I don't think we'll see a state final like that for for a long time. It just simply amazing. I know we've talked about El Boys now a lot, but when you have a game like that, it's an all time thing. It's a kind of game that people will talk about for years and years, to decades. Yeah, decades. I mean that that hand Wilton game, like that's going to be the benchmark. Like when we talk about. When we see a great game, we're gonna be like, "Well, was it as good as Han Wilton?" Uh, probably not, you know. Like that's gonna be the game we talk about forever, all
2: right, And we talk about resiliency, and we talk about the rivalry Guilford and Han, and we got the Guilford girls. All right, they win the SEC tournament. Okay, their coach resigns 48 hours later. To this day, I still don't know what happened. I, I don't know if we'll ever really know, and really at this point, it doesn't matter because those no. Guilford girls were able to win two games in penalty kicks, one game in double overtime, get to the final, fall behind one nothing to a team that had not allowed a goal this year in East Lyme. A team that I don't care what anybody says on Twitter. Outside of East Lime, nobody had this team in the final. And if you did, you're lying. Okay? Yeah, Show I- me that you said it on Twitter, and I'll believe you. You're, Joe lo- got a you're little, lying.
0: Joe and I got a little flack That's from fine. the That's fine. And- I have no hey, problem. It, and it's fine. I'm glad they're listening. That's and-
2: good. They're lying. Be- <laughs> <laughs> okay. They're lying if they had Eastland in the final because you would have had to beat Ram or Sheehan. Yeah. And she, I saw Sheehan out-shoot them by 4,000-1, to 1, but you know what? Kudos to Eastland to be in the final after a four-win season. 1-0 lead. Guilford comes back, scores. Guilford scores in the first two minutes of Lily Ricky on the through ball. And you know what? And they were the best team in the SCC. They were the best team in L. I had them in the final losing to Ram. Um well, obviously, I told you I had a double, I had nothing, right? So, right? so, but you know, kudos to them. That's their first state championship since 2013. Uh a proud program who's won nine state championships. And again, as we mentioned, and we're going to further mention when we get to class as boys. Shoreline had a really, really good day. And kudos to Guilford. Uh to, to deal with that kind of adversity. You lose your coach after the tournament and had two different and, and and kudos to Rick Jeremiah and Fred and, and the rest of the coaches on our staff to be able to ra- rally the troops, put that
0: aside. And take care of business, and that's what Guilford did. And stay focused. Yep. Uh, so the M boys, this is a, this is one of the ECC schools that was, uh, you know, wanting a little bit of love from us. And uh, you know, I think we said nice things about Stonington and Ledyard all year. You can't pick everybody, but you can't pick anybody. Uh, so I had picked uh, M boy M is the only one I got wrong. I had picked Holland to win this tournament. Uh, okay. They lost in the second round. Whatever. Stonington had an awesome year. Stonington and Ellington both had amazing years. They were really on a collision course. They were the top two teams in the M and S poll all season. Ellington for the second straight season comes into the state tournament undefeated, untied, makes it to the final and loses one to nothing. Just so brutal for the Ellington kids to have to go through that twice. But look, Stonington was the best team in this tournament from the opening round to the to the to the last game. All the games leading into the final were not even really close. They they, they dominated in a lot of ways. They have an awesome player and senior captain Tyler Fidrich who had the assist on the game winning goal, ended up being the game MVP. Um, I don't know if you saw any of this when, actually, you, when you were up there, I but.
2: did. And I and I tell you what, it was about dead even. Yeah, it really was. There was no real, little, just from watching it and keeping an eye on things, and and not knowing a lot honestly about both teams, it was pretty close. And then he, sc- I'm thinking, uh, this is going to go to overtime. That's, that was my thought. All of a sudden, Ellington scores with 15 minutes left, or whatever it was. Stonington. Excuse, Stonington, yeah. excuse me, I apologize, Stonington Bears. But I mean, it was a close. It was as close as the score indicated. To use the cliche, that it was. They
0: were two evenly matched teams,
2: and and kudos to Stonington for winning a state championship and bringing one home to the ECC.
0: Stonington did not allow a goal in the tournament. They were 18 goals for, zero goals against. Right? Obviously, you're not going to lose when you do that. Um, They have a couple of really good players. Uh, So, look, and also, uh, from a uniform standpoint, I love Stonington's brown uniforms. Love brown uniforms. Thomaston, Stonington, Brunswick. We should have more brown uniforms. How do you feel about that? I don't have an opinion on that. It doesn't matter to me. We're, doesn't I matter. Mean, to you.
2: Hand has what uh, black and gold. Black and gold. Yeah. Okay. Mm, They've won four in a row. So I. All I'm
0: saying is Stonington. I like your stuff. If you want to send game time some gear, we'll get some of your brown up on the wall here. Okay. Um. <laughs> we were. T- we were <laughs> okay. We were talking about
2: records, and the other record broken on Saturday up in Dillon Stadium was the most go- goal scored in the final. Granby six Plainville. F- excuse me, Plainfield one. Yeah. You know. Maria Nolan, Samantha Saint Pierre. We've talked about them on and off during the year about the N Triple C and how Suffield had dominated, and, and they went to a Class L fu- semifinal this year and lost his, uh Guilford in penalty kicks um, in, in, in Class L. And Granby was again the only unbeaten, untied team in girls soccer, and uh, the closest game was two goals, I believe. So, or actually, no, it was a two-one game in the semifinals against Weston, and f- those kids just. Kind of once they started to score, it was like boom, boom, boom. And in Plainfield, let me tell you something. And again, I had Lewis Mills going to the final and losing to Granby. Regardless of that, Plainfield beats Lewis Mills. They beat Notre Dame Fairfield. Hold Tony Domingos, who had forty-two goals, scoreless. So the two goal. goal games I saw, Tony Domingos didn't score. So I guess I'm a jinx for the poor Lancers of Notre Dame, but they, they don't want—they don't want to see you. On the no, front, they don't. I one of these days I'll go I have to go see her next year and go actually maybe go play see them play Sisters of the Poor and go score a goal. This makes you hey, I saw her score. <laughs> I saw you score, yeah, but I, again for playing, they have shut them out. And Kate Carlson scored twice in that semifinal up at Milton High School, and and Kate scored obviously uh, in, in the game against Grammy. Grammy was the best team in Class M, and um, you know kudos to them. Their coach's name I don't even know Ed. I don't even want to pronounce the name. He goes by Moose. He is the Moose. Call him Moose. Call him Moose. Um, C champions, Class M state champions. They they were the class of Class M. Sorry. I mean, Clayton Plainfield, it's been in the finals two
0: straight years. Kudos to them. They just ran into a buzzsaw. And it's just the way it is. I mean, it's one of the most dominating performances. I mean, obviously the biggest scorer ever, but one of the most dominating performances ever by in a state right, final and right. throughout the entire tournament. I mean, I don't know if anyone was even close to them. In any of those games, were they in, uh, for Granby? Uh, was they close to them in those games
2: from Granby? Let's see. They beat Valley Regional, who I saw in the shoreline finals seven nothing. Yeah. They beat Ellington three to one, and they beat Weston two to one. Like I said in the semifinals, the so yeah, that's man. the closest game they had this year. Yeah. And I mean one or two other two goal games. Most of the other ones they blew everybody out. So I mean, we, and we've talked about the CCC can play. We we known that yeah. boys and girls, and obviously the girls better than the FCI. The is the best conference. I think we would agree. And Triple C is right there for girls' soccer. Southfield's good, and obviously Granby's great.
0: Yeah. So so starting off the day in New Britain, we had uh, Holy Cross had back-to-back games. They had the girls' S-final and the boys' S-final. I was covering the boys' S-final. And Old Saybrook came through. Uh, Another one of my picks came through and won. Uh, Coach Sam Barnes, uh, in his final game coaching, wins back-to-back titles. He told me after the game that as a junior and senior player, he yeah, won back-to-back titles, I which I, I never know knew before. He no. also asked for you. He's like, Joe's not here. Where's Joe? Did he actually? <laughs> he did. I said, you got me today. I'm sorry, Coach.
2: Yeah, it's okay. You got, you got the you got the A team there. So um, You were going to call me the B team. I was, but I, I decided, you know what, uh, you 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 played soccer, so I'll be the B team. Um, what I will say for Sam, I mean, gotten to know him through the years and building that program. To where it is. I mean, the, 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 we've talked about the rivalry they've had with it's Morgan. A, it's a you know premier mean? program it, it, in the state. It, it is. is. I and mean, Morgan and Old Saybrook. I mean, people don't, again, unless you go to these games and be a part of you don't understand what these rivalries mean. And these small teams, they can play soccer. And, and obviously, Morgan was in Class M and they ran into Ellington in the quarterfinals. And maybe if they'd been in S, they would have been right there playing them again. Who knows? But again, just um, talk. I'm curious how that overtime went in comparison to the overtime I saw. Old Saber, they got ordered a penalty. It was a legit call, I assume, on the PK. Uh,
0: okay. So yes, (laughs) it was a legit foul. The kid pushed the kid in the back. As we were discussing at the time, I don't know. And this look, it takes a lot of confidence for the official to call that. Obviously, he saw it. Everyone saw it happen. But to call for a penalty kick at that point in overtime is Mm -hmm. very hard. Yeah, I wish it didn't happen, but. If the referee feels that strongly about it, and it definitely was a foul. Like it it's a foul in a September game, you know, in, in in the beginning of the season. So I guess you have to call it there. You hate to see the game decided that way, but it was a foul. The kid did extend his arms and push in the back. Like it happened. It happened.
2: Did Holy Cross kind of let down after that and that's why they scored? Or, or, well, or the, say rise Olds, up after that? Well or both.
0: Holy Cross then obviously felt like they had to push up a little more. They they were very they had been playing back a little bit uh they had to send more kids forward once they did that it opened things up old sabrick was able to come back then and get a second goal in over time simply i think because holy cross was trying obviously trying to move forward and tie the game back up which is not necessarily their strong suit they, they would rather play defensive soccer right now getting back to the shoreline conference for a minute um I you know we'd pick, I'd picked a bunch of Shoreline teams to make it through this tournament. Yep. Holy Cross coach John Teixeira even gave me you know a little bit of grief for it after the semis when they beat Immaculate. He goes, you didn't pick us. You picked Cog and Chuck. And I said, like, I had to go with the Shoreline. He goes, I know. The Shoreline's great. It's a great soccer conference. It's hard not to say that they're a great soccer conference. I mean, it's one of the best soccer conferences around. They're all smaller schools. so You sometimes forget about them. But the passion they have for soccer in that conference is amazing. Look, so,
2: we, we spent the last show, and I think I brought up about, you know, why some of these teams are in S. And there's nothing against it. It's just the way it is. Besides their uh, school. Yeah, I'm talking about the, 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 oh, the private school. Oh, the private school. Yeah, sure. I mean, yeah, yeah, But, you know, I think it says for, for Old Saybrook to beat Holy Cross like o lime girls beat Immaculate. I mean, that's a feather in your cap because they are a team that can draw, because they're powerhouse. I mean, Immaculate girls won how many Class S state champions? For them to beat them, I think is really good. And for Old Saybrook, I don't want to say little Old Saybrook because they got a nice team. They've got players. But, I mean, to beat Holy Cross, I think that's a pretty. It's a I was a
0: pretty even teams i would think before oh the game was extremely even Look, right here's the thing about class s boys i know that there are people that love to write columns about how these private schools should not be playing these public schools there had not been a school of choice in the class s boys soccer final since 2007 i did realize years, that 12 wow. years 12 years So is it really a problem that we're having where these private schools are dominating holy cross has less than 400 kids in that school they are yes they're drawing from other towns and they can draw from multiple towns it's not giving them any sort of huge competitive advantage in these games and you can see these kids from old saber could probably play together their whole lives colin schulmeister and Sean ryan and those kids like have probably grown up playing soccer together they've won back-to-back state championships I don't see it in boys' soccer. I don't see it in girls' soccer, where it's such a huge advantage to be a private school. And I don't understand the constant complaining about it and having to write stories about it every single year.
2: Well, we won't. I will say this after we talked about it last week. An online parent emailed me and said, hey, listen to the podcast. We don't care who we play. No, and they, they, and they no went out and, beat, and they went out and beat uh, Northwest Catholic in the semifinals. Old am girls, I'm talking about. So, right. And the Old Saybrook
0: boys were certainly not complaining about it. Oh, we got to play Holy Cross. Oh my God, what are we? And gonna I, do? And I we hope
2: know? that they wouldn't have said anything had they lost. I, I hope no because, way, because no I, way. I, I hope not because I, I, I've seen we've seen it where the people say something after they lose. They're like, well, don't say after you lose. You, you, you. Like we said last week, it's not kids are the right? kids. Yeah, they play the game. It doesn't matter who it is. All this other stuff is all peripheral stuff. What we talk about, what people say, once they once you're on the field playing, it's kids against kids, and it's not basketball. It's not what say no, it's not basketball. Few years no, ago, it's where not. If you get, where if you get three kids is not.
0: from other towns, you can absolutely dominate. It's just not happening in soccer. It's not happening. No, it's not. It's true. And so, if it's not happening, let's just not even talk about it then. You know what I mean? Like, let's just go out and uh, let the kids play the I game. I won't bring it up anymore. And, no, not you and me. I mean, like, <laughs> I know you, man. There are people that just keep writing about this well, and keep harping on it. And so, you yeah. have kids that are playing in a state final. Holy Cross has completely rebuilt that program. They have kids that are, have reached a state final now. They've worked their butts off to get in that state final. And then there are people sitting there tweeting and writing stories about they don't deserve to be here, they shouldn't be here. And that is just dumping on everything those kids have accomplished, and I think it's not fair to those kids. And it, it, it irritates me. It irritates me. I'm sorry. Well,
2: and uh, go to expand here, we have Holy Cross in the girls' final. They win their first state championship. Yes. Which I was not excited I forgot, and it. I, and and I saw that game. And they were zero and four coming in, A very we're, even soccer game. Nothing between those teams. Awesome game. And if you honestly, if you can make the argument, Old Lyme had been in four straight. I mean, this is their fifth straight final. They're the program in Class S. Yes. Maybe people make the argument. Well, maybe it's then time for them to move up because they they're dominating the hell. No, no, I'm serious. I mean, know, I'm serious. Like too. we really said with the hand boys soccer in the last segment. I mean, move up. Do they? I mean, you can petition to play in Double L. You can't petition to play in any other division. Just so people know, we, I, I was unaware of it during the year. And obviously, there's a tournament success rule in place. The Holy Cross girls will be in Class M next year. So regardless of what we're saying, they're not going to be an
0: S. Those old Lyme girls handled that loss really, really well. A lot of them are back next year. They realized, right, that they're back next year. They're going to be good next year. They also realized they had already won four straight state championships that Holy Cross played a little bit better on this day. There was no complaining from them, at least outwardly, that they had played a private school and they had some kind of unfair.
2: As was written in a, in a go- Game Time by Mike Fournibau, um they were just happy to be there. I mean, I, that's what the coach indicated, Paul Gleason. Again, he's
0: built a program there. They handled that loss as well as any team on the day, other than maybe the Greenwich Boys, who... By the way, the Greenwich boys were upset they lost. They were, you know, obviously you lose, Wilton was devastated too. But you lose a double L final, yeah. but I, what I'm saying is Wilton was devastated. But Greenwich was not was devastated. But then I saw something very unique with them. They stayed on the field longer than Hall. They're really? taking pictures in the field. They're talking to their families out there. They were so happy to have reached that game. They realized how good Hall was and that it would have taken a Herculean effort to beat them. And they really were just, like, soaking in the atmosphere after the game. And I thought that was amazing because the losing team never sticks around. And Greenwich was on the field. Hall had left, and Greenwich kids were still out there, like, mingling on the field and stuff. Well,
2: we've talked about the success of these programs and Old Lyme and Hand and and Guilford and and Old Saybrook. maybe, you know, Greenwich, you don't know how many times you're going to get a chance to go back. You may never.
0: You, you may, may never, never get. You may never get out of the second round in double. They haven't boys. been in a final since 1978. They haven't won one right, since 1961. Exactly.
2: So they maybe they've realized. Maybe they were told. After. It was a great. It was great to see that. But enjoy it and try enjoy to it. soak it in after, even though you lost. Soak it because you don't know. Yeah. And, and to play to have been able to play on the last day of the season, we make a big deal
0: of it, but it is a big deal. It's a huge deal.
2: It's a big deal. It's a huge
0: deal. It just is. It, you, you don't even know how special it is to get to even play. In those games, And I don't know if the kids always realize it because they're in the moment and they're just kids, and emotional. And kids, yeah. Yeah, kids, yeah. But I think that what the you know, I'm sure the Greenwich coaches were like, "Hey, go enjoy this. Take some pictures with the, with your seniors, with your friends, with your family. Like, enjoy that you were here and that you got to be a part of this. And you know, you lost to an amazing team. There's no shame in that. And congratulations to Holy Cross girls.
2: I mean, obviously, you the Holy beat Cross a, you girls be a great, so great program, saying. a great program. And O line will probably be back there next year. I mean, they're the eight seed. They beat the one. They beat you know they beat Northwest Calix so it's
0: more know. likely that they'll be back than Holy Cross will be back. Well, because they're going to be an M now. It's not going to be
2: easy. You get, I mean, they were the MVL champions too. I mean, you lose some right. players. You get, you got the War of town You and, and, and he got Granby. Unless they're going to L, he, Granby's going to be sitting there. Okay, <laughs> the, they they got their own dynasty. So, uh, but uh, I, listen, it was a great day at Dillon Stadium. Uh, what the kudos to the Ciac and to the Dillon stepping up and saying we want to host these games because I mean it was. Again, I hadn't been to Dillon Stadium since 1997. I covered a football game there. I've never been there. Okay, it was long before. It was football. It was what they have done. I didn't go see the Hartford team play in soccer. So it is a very nice stadium. They were very accommodating. Obviously, they're nice to us. They don't have to be, but they were. The fans, from what I can tell, had no problems. Uh, It just seemed like a really good day of soccer. And we got good weather. So I thought it Unlike last I mean, year really when it was perfect weather. I mean, yeah, I'm sure you get the same deal at Willowbrook. I thought I mean a place that's hosted so many soccer finals.
0: Yeah, place. I mean New Britain is really it's like set up to host multiple games. There's a right. huge parking lot. They get yeah. the fans in and out really well. And say what we will about the CIAC and everything else. They run state finals really well yeah. generally. I agree. They take care of the media, they take care of the fans, they take care of the teams. Um, and they take care of the teams first. I mean, teams
2: they, first. those teams oh, yeah. get taken care of. At Mohegan, we've seen uh, yeah. in and out. I mean, obviously, you have to get these guys off the field so the other team can get on, and the media has to respond. It's, it's hard, and parents want to take their pictures, but it's a lot it's, to coordinate. It's not, it is, it is. I mean, the C I C, gets bashed a lot, but that was during their another days in the sun, and and, and those kids enjoyed it. at least from what I have not heard any complaints. So also, maybe there are I they
0: don't had know. Uh, in the press box sandwiches from Nardelli's. Yeah, I, listen. Hey, I, hey, let me tell you something. Nardelli's, I'm, no, I, I'm not getting any free ads, but it's it's, it's pretty special No, place. it is.
2: <laughs> listen, it, it just was, an, again, I'm sure hopefully Dylan hosts again next year. I think the move to go from four different sites to two, I think, worked out well for soccer fans who wanted to spend the day somewhere. I loved it. and I loved, it was only, I loved four games. And you're place. less than 20 minutes, less than a half hour, I should say, from site.
0: So if you wanted to go from one place to another, you could. You could. could. And, and, and there were people that stopped by, that came by, and they said, oh, I wow, was at the morning games. Yeah. And, and Dylan and Nam coming over to see these games. And they also did a good job keeping like Holy Cross together at the same location. So they're all their fans can come watch the games. And hand Guilford. Back to back. Hand, hand and Guilford. Same way. Like, you now
2: I would like to have seen old sibric on my side, but that's okay. Hey, he can't, he, <laughs> you can't get it all. No, you can't get it all because I, <laughs> I got to see them last year. But anyway, Scott, nice job all year. Hey, nice I job. I enjoyed bro. it. I mean, listen, guys, we we enjoy this uh, if you can't tell already. And the predictions are fun. I'm glad you people had fun with it. Uh, we did. Um, you can't. I mean, predicting soccer games is like you know throwing darts sometimes because you just don't really know how it's going to go because you could dominate and lose. said that all off, Scott. I leave it to you to run out the show. And
0: I also want to thank Pete, who comes yes. in here every week and listens to Joe and I talk about soccer. Uh,
2: and sing, so I and really and appreciate and Pete being here every day.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, boys, for having me. It's always a pleasure. Yeah, we enjoyed it. No, uh, seriously though, th- thank you for doing this. It's pretty awesome.
0: And we've gotten great reaction from the soccer people. We're going to hope to keep it going next fall. Uh, I know that a lot of the coaches love listening. The players like listening. So we appreciate you guys. And we're doing this for you guys, for the fans, for the players. So uh, as much as we love doing it, this is for you guys. So for Joe, I'm Scott. We'll see you next fall on Just for Kicks.